Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And in the second series of the podcast, we're focusing on joy's superpowers, special powers each and every one of us can cultivate in order to navigate these turbulent times in which we live. And I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. In each episode, I'll be inviting our guests to share their words of wisdom on a specific joy superpower. In this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Shasta Nelson on the joy superpower of close friends. Shasta is a leading expert on friendship who speaks across the country, I suppose that's the US country, and facilitates events for connection. She's been quoted in magazines and newspapers online and print, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Reader's Digest, and has been interviewed live on over a dozen TV shows, including the Today Show, the Steve Harvey Show. Plus, if you haven't yet seen her popular TEDx talk, then you'll want to watch that later. Her books include Friendships Don't Just Happen, which is a guide for making new friends as an adult. And this is going to be hard for me to pronounce, but it's Friendtimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness, which teaches us how to make our relationships more meaningful. And her latest book is The Business of Friendship, Making the Most of Our Relationships, where we spend most of our time, which explores the power of friendships in the workplace. So welcome, Shasta, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And to be clear, I would travel to Finland or any other country as well, if it were wanted. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's an invitation to everybody to welcome <laughs> to come to your events and to happily talk to you. So let's kick off talking about how did you get involved with friendship as your thing? Um, how did you become a friendship expert? Yeah, it's uh, so many different ways in, but one of them is that I was involved in a lot of community building work and just seeing the power of what it means when people feel like they belong, uh, just doing a lot of work around small group facilitating and just seeing what it does when people feel seen and valued and known and supported. Um, but also then I was also doing coaching and working with individuals who I would consider incredibly successful, high powered, and they would hire me usually for workplace success or some other big life goal. And I would often ask them, um, you know, who's supporting you? Like, who are you? Who are you confiding in right now? And Andrew, almost to a person, I just remember this one week, I was like, do none of my clients have good friends? <laughs> it was just kind of like, and it wasn't, they would all say they had friends, but it was like, well, I'm just really busy at work and I really don't call and talk to anyone about these things. Or, well, I moved, you know, six months ago and I really have lost touch with those friends and I haven't really made new friends. And well, I just went through a divorce and all my relationships feel kind of up in the air. And it was kind of this theme and I went to bed and what I was finding was discouraging. I found very, very little. Like if you wanted to find stuff on how to find romance in your life, there were just gazillions of books. If you wanted to find parent-child relationships, there was like entire bookstores of it. But when you wanted to build better friendships, I was like, nobody's talking about this. And yet the research shows that who, how you feel supported and who your friends are and and who you're confiding in makes the biggest difference to your life goals, to your success, to your happiness, to your health. And so that really got me, you know, asking the question, why is nobody talking about this? And you can only hear yourself say that so long before you start saying, well, I could at least write a blog about it, you know, and it wasn't like this. I didn't have this like big grandiose plan of like making it my thing. It was just simply like, let's start trying to do some research to be helpful to a few people. And that's where I just the passion, the um, just really, I started a business to help friendships like match up people back in the day. And mm. then just in that space that I really, really got convicted and excited and have been in there ever since. Well, it's certainly the passion and the excitement come through when I listen to you talk about this. Mm. So you're definitely walking the talk, as they say. Mm, I still feel it. I still feel it. I know it's been like 12, 13 years. And right. I'm That's still, what I was going like, to ask. This How is long is so it? big. Right. And it's still there. You still feel a passion. There's a lot of you still feel there's a lot of work to be done. You're not there yet. Yeah, no. And in fact, what's been really, really interesting is that Back then, for the longest time, I had to kind of convince people they were lonely. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but I actually had to say, you know, that hunger you have to like feel more supported or seen like that's loneliness. And I had to kind of help people name it because they had, they had the stigma of lonely being 
only this person who is like reclusive and has no friends and is like, nobody's seen them in years. And in fact, the loneliest people are some of the busiest people. They're, they're loving, they're involved in customer service or people service. They're taking care of families. They're like some of the loneliest people are some of the people we love and admire the most, but they know everybody, mm. but they don't feel known or they have a ton of friends but they don't actually feel like they have people to confide in. And so it was, it's been really fascinating to watch over time with the pandemic and with all these different things happening. I don't have to convince people of loneliness as much anymore. The research has just been really impressive catching up to it all. And now it's like, we can just be like, okay, let's not have a stigma about it. Let's just talk about how to develop better friendships. So it's been nice to see the change over the years. It has, you know, I was in Miami couple of weeks ago at a CEO conference and one of the things that struck me there is even amongst that cohort the increase in authenticity mm. and people's willingness to open up and, mm. and not just this bravado that you know my business grew and did this and sales is up you know that it always used to be yes. and people are saying no we had a tough quarter um yeah. you know, and even personal issues sharing and it was so fre- refreshing to have that authenticity which I think is what you're saying also causes this people can say and say hey yeah I feel lonely it's okay yeah yeah we can kind of take off the facade and and the the worry that we're the only one feeling Mm. something right and that makes it feel unsafe but yeah you're right there's this collective acceptance life is not and it's always been hard it's life has never been nobody's ever been alone in their suffering we all have been going through things and there's something nice about having this like global issue that kind of just like makes us feel like I I can talk about it and not be judged. And that's our Mm -hmm. greatest fear, right? Is that we want to be known. And yet we don't want to be known if we're going to be judged for it. And because we all want to be liked and accepted. And that's Mm -hmm. like this human need. So yeah, to be able to just talk more about like, what can we do to actually build more acceptance in our in our life is just so, so great that people are wanting that and asking for it. Right. That's, that's amazing. So I know there's so many benefits, but why, if you had to boil it down to just what are the top things that makes having friends so important? What would you sort of name as your top two or three? Yeah, I mean, I would say the research out there on the health perspective is so compelling that there are very few of any factors more significant to our physical health than whether we feel supported and loved. Uh, there's doctors who have gone on record who have basically said more, more significant than your DNA, more significant than whether you exercise, more significant than what you eat. Um, this issue of feeling supported because it's so activated to our stress uh, responses in our body that if we we can handle going through stress. If we feel supported, we actually feel more protected from Mm -hmm. the stress. And um, so it's so significant to our health, but I would say because of the subject of your podcast with joy, uh, I would talk about the significance of it's virtually impossible to be happy if we don't feel connected and supported. Mm -hmm. The research out there is um, yeah. One of the studies I saw, they did a big, uh, longitudinal look took all the research out there and um dr niven i believe the author of 100 secrets of happy people he talks about how you take all the research and 70 percent of our happiness comes down to our relationships Mm. and so you think about all the other things we name that we think we need to be happy uh you know if i get that promotion if i can fit into those jeans if i can go on that vacation and all the things we think we need and i love them all. And I don't, uh, don't want to devalue any of those, but you can get all of them. And if you don't have meaningful relationships, the chances of you still being happy are really low. So Mm -hmm. when we look at how much feeling seen and feeling accepted and feeling loved matters to our life, like there's very, very, very few, if anything else that we can put our attention and time that will have higher payoffs. Yeah, no, that's, that's true for those obviously listening who follow us regularly, you know, they'll know that when we talk about joy, we talk about four aspects of joy. We talk about well-being, we talk about positive impact and fun as three, but belonging it's the, the fourth pillar without mm. which, you know, you, you can't really hope to, to live a joy-filled life if you don't feel this genuine sense of belonging. I suppose my question to you then becomes, well, you know, there are different types of relationships. So you've got obviously parent relationships, child relationships, loving partner relationships, and then you have friend relationships. So if you sort of dissect this down to that level, how do friend, having friends differ from, you know, having a parent or having 
a life partner that you're living with every day. So where, where does the value of friends fit into this equation? Yeah, it's a great question. And we would be in favor of all love and all healthy relationships. And so the happiest people will have all of those, right? So it's not, um, not one it's not, other. it's not one or the other. And what we do know, and especially like women, there's some really discouraging research that um, women who are married and have kids, actually, it's not better for their health. And it's not better for their happiness. It actually comes with a lot more stress, a lot mm-hmm. more, a lot more women on antidepressants, a lot a shorter lifespan, in fact. And so we know that um, simply being married and having kids doesn't correlate to um, happiness directly or health. So what we what we want are is, is healthy relationships where you feel seen where you my definition of Friendship is where both people feel seen in safe and satisfying ways. And so a parent-child relationship can sometimes have elements of that, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's, and an hopefully a romantic relationship for sure uh, would express that in a high, high, high way. Mm-hmm. Um, but how we express that with those relationships will look different than how we can do it with people that we would consider, um, people that we can confide in, people that we feel like we can go have fun with, people. I would actually love to go back to your definition of um of joy and hear it again because like even well-being has relational elements to mm-hmm. it and fun it's kind of i mean you can have fun by yourself for sure but fun also has a relational element to it and what was your second what was your second pillar for joy um it's well-being belonging fun and positive impact so having a positive Ooh, positive impact, impact. World. love it yeah. yeah, love all of those. That's so great. And, and certainly relationships are at the, the thrust of, you know, almost all of those really helping build those out and stuff like that. But the belonging word is a great word, too, because it reminds us how much so it's not just having someone or feeling chosen, like a romantic relationship can leave us feeling chosen. But belonging speaks to this feeling of like, do I do I have a place? Do I find my people? Do I feel like I'm a a part of this? So we go into a workplace and we feel like we belong or not Mm. based not on our role and based not on our salary and based not on even what contributions we're making. We can be making the most significant contribution, but if we don't feel appreciated, seen and valued, which is like a belonging element, we don't feel like it's meaningful. Mm. Um, So we really, that belonging element just speaks to the fact that we need quantity, not just quality. And you're only going to have so many kids you're only gonna have so many parents you're only gonna have so many spouses at one time hopefully and so in the big in the big scheme of things the vast majority of the relationships in our lives are going to be all these friendships that we're building and so if there's stress there or if we don't know how to build those relationships or invest in them uh we are putting all your eggs in in the basket of just you know like in just a couple different relationships and expecting probably more from them than you can have met and so it really is significant um research shows for example if you attend a religious organization your satisfaction in that religious organization goes up if you feel like you have a couple friends, your job, a couple friends, your neighborhood, a couple friends. So we don't need to have a best friend everywhere. But if you want to belong in the places where you frequent in your life, then knowing people and feeling known by them is such a huge part of you feeling satisfaction in those places. And so if you're part of a book club, if you're part of an, a, a conference that you went to, if you're part of a, a networking association, having relationships is what tells you that you belong there or not. So it's really big for your identity, for your well-being, for your, you know, for your sense of being accepted and being able to do that positive impact and that uh, being able to contribute. Yeah. And so again, one more time for your definition, because it is a really good one. So the definition of friendship is. Yes is any relationship where both people feel seen in a safe and satisfying way. So notice there's three S words there and we could, we can use different words all the time and maybe we can get into what each of those three words, how to build each of those three words out would be helpful. But Mm -hmm. really what you're talking about is, is we all have a core human need to be known. We, when we describe our best friends as like people who get me right as people Mm -hmm. who, who understand me, people who know the real me, we say, and people who love, love me, even if they've seen the worst of me. And so we want to be known. Uh, We crave that. In fact, people who feel loved and adored, but don't feel known, it lands as empty because we'll say, well, that's because they don't know this or that's because they don't really know me. And so just to be loved and admired isn't enough. We really want to feel known, but then the idea of being known and judged for it isn't what we're looking for either. So we want to be known and we want it to feel safe and we want it to feel good, mm. satisfying. We, at the end of the day, 
we don't want to feel worse for having been known. We want to feel uh, more connected. So yeah, it's we have to have all three of those components though for us to really feel close to someone. Right, they have to come together. And and I love a quote. I just mentioned. I love. I'm sort of somebody for quotes, and I love this quote by somebody called Kelly Harding, who's a a doctor and a clinical professor of psychiatry, who said in her work that as a medical doctor. I wish if I could subscribe anything, I would subscribe, prescribe friendship for everyone. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? It is. And more and more doctors are are going on record. The research is so um, compelling now. Like there's research out there that shows that if you feel lonely or disconnected on an ongoing basis, it's worse worse for your health than if you smoke 15 cigarettes a day. It's twice as harmful as being obese. And it does the equivalent damage on your body of being a lifelong alcoholic. It's more damaging than not exercising or what we eat. And so, yeah, we should be prescribing friendships. Unfortunately, it's like the one factor that it's hard to just do on your own, right? Like we were like, okay, I'll go exercise. And we can kind of like muster it up in us. But to go build friendships, I think it's a hard thing because we're just like, that requires another person. Like, where do I meet them? How do I interact? What do I do with them? So I wish we could just prescribe it and hand it out. It is something that has to be developed. It can't just be found and given, but uh, I love the intention. Yeah, and definitely. And we will talk a little bit later about um, some tricks and tips people can use to help build these these friendships, especially Mm -hmm. introverts amongst us sometimes find a challenge to, to actually get themselves out there. So we'll talk about that in a moment. And one of the things that really surprised me when we were doing our our research into joy and and what makes people joyful compared to what makes people unjoyful was friendship. And, you know, I was shocked when we did the research in the UK and 6% of adults that we talked to actually said they don't have any friends, Mm. which is not one, right? Nobody they would call a friend. And when you started then to break it down, okay, well, who has two or three friends and so on? Sort of the magic number we sort of came across was five. And that, you know, if there's five people that you could call on in all areas of your life, you know, across those um, that you could call a friend, the chances are that you would be living a more joyful life than even if you just had one or two people that you could call so we thought that was interesting that it gave this sense of of genuine belonging to have those friends so I don't know what do you think when I tell you this sort of finding um what's that sort of make you think about yeah well I'm actually surprised about the only six percent of people don't have a friend I actually would expect that to be a much much higher number So I, and what's interesting about loneliness is it's hard to, there's so many different studies coming out now measuring slightly different Mm. things and in different ways of asking that. But um, I've seen much higher numbers than that. I've seen about uh, one in five, about 20% of us would, would be defined as severely lonely. Mm. So not really feeling like we have the resources of knowing anybody that we feel really like we can interact with and confide in. Mm. Um, And then I would see that in my, in my work, we see mostly like we're twice as likely when I ask people on a scale of one to 10, and this is a great question for everybody listening to do a self-assessment because it's one thing to talk about this in theory, but it's really important that we like ask ourselves, how loved and supported do I feel? And uh, mm-hmm. 10 would be a, I feel so loved and supported. I've got the numbers of the right relationships. I feel like all the different areas of my life are being seen. I feel like I have access to them. I feel safe with them. And then one is like, I feel completely hungry and devoid and have like nothing, none of my needs being met on the loved and supported scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are twice as likely um, to say a one or a two as they are to say a nine or a 10. And, um, and I would say about over half of everybody, this number has kind of moved up and down, but it's always been between like 50 and 60% of everybody answers under a five. So we have the majority of us saying, okay, I might have a little bit of some connection and friends, but I'm really teetering closer to the lonely side than I am to the connected side. And so it's a good number for all of us to name and say, how would you answer that question on a scale of one to 10? Because then what we see is like, then the next question can become like, okay, what can we, this is just a snapshot of your life right now. There's no judgment on that. It's Mm. being lonely is the same as it's your body telling you that you have a need that needs to be met. So it'd be the same as me asking you if you're hungry or are you thirsty or are you sleepy? And your body is sending you a message saying, 
yes, I have a need and the need is connection. The need is support and uh, being hungry. Isn't bad. Being hungry is your body telling you it has a need. What's bad or harmful is if you don't get that need met. And so what we want to do here is say, it doesn't, it's not a bad thing to say, I wish I had more relationships in my life. I wish I felt more supported. I wish I felt more seen. I wish I had those five friends that Andrea was talking about. That's a beautiful thing to name. And I think a lot of us feel some shame and stigma actually naming that because we think something's wrong with us. And if we could just say, Mm -hmm. that is simply your body saying you would like to have more relational love in your life. Now, what can we do to move that number closer to 10? Um, But how can we get that need met? Because the damage isn't done by feeling lonely. The damage is done by ignoring it and continuing to live with that loneliness. The same as hunger. It's not bad to be hungry, but if you never eat, you're going to die. So we need to get the need met, right? And that's what we want to do. And I'm a great believer in talking to yourself and to saying these things out loud to yourself to make them real and I love that 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 question with the scale that you propose that people ask for themselves to to really drive it home and to say it's okay to talk about it don't put it under the carpet don't ignore this be honest yeah be honest with yourself and then you could be honest with somebody else after you've been honest with yourself yeah I would I would ask you Andrew do you know of how many what percentage of people in the UK found that they had five friends like is this a it seems like a pretty, that would be a, a, a great, yeah, or even how they're defining friends. Like, I think that's fascinating mm. because we, a lot of us would, a lot of us would say, oh yeah, I have friends. And then we would say, well, that friend from college, I know I could call them, but I haven't talked to them in two years or like, yeah, yeah the social group I hang out with, but I really don't tell them anything. So it is always a tricky question of like, how did, I, I'd love to hear more about what you're learning and seeing. Yeah. I mean, I think we're only scratching the surface on this too, you know, as, as one of the challenges we have is when we're looking at joy, we look at it across so many different superpowers that we, we tend to go broader rather than deeper, which is why we yeah. love talking to experts like you say okay we know friendship is important um you're the expert in this help us um learn which you're doing today which is fantastic but we had to that our own research of course and and for me it was a question of saying well if we look at how this degree of of friendship impacts your overall feeling of joy there was an amazingly strong correlation you know one of the strongest correlations as you know from your own research amongst all of the different things um to have that friends um is such a a powerful word in people's lives so let's sort of dissect it a little bit further and um i'll just mention a bit of research that we found um when we were talking or digging into this by um a person called Amarty and his research is in 2018 and they talked about two aspects of friendship one being intensity so the amount of time or how regularly you're seeing your friends um, and then the quality. So the satisfaction with that relationship a way of looking at this, it's okay to be satisfied, but you also need to feed that satisfaction on a regular basis um, and not just phone them once a year. Um, mm-hmm. And how are you finding that um, when you look at friendship, how important it is to have this connection, this regular interaction with your friends? Yeah. So when I was writing my second book, Friend Tennessee, and you, you pronounce it perfectly at the top of the, the top of the show. Um, so that's uh, friendship intimacy, obviously. And I used to always be out there saying, we need more intimacy in our lives. And everybody correlates intimacy with sex and romance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, we need so much more platonic intimacy in our life. So friend intimacy is like that, uh, that word trying to create a new folder in our head. I looked at all the research of everybody out there who's saying a friendship needs this, a healthy relationship needs this. And uh, and so I looked at like, um, you know, study people who are studying what makes for a healthy team. Why do some teams perform better than other teams? What makes for a healthy marriage? Why are some marriages healthier than others? Why are, why are you, why do you call this person your best friend and not this person? What builds trust? And so I was looking at all these studies and I was kind of like, oh my word, it's like everybody's studying different things. And it's like, what are the common denominators here? So I love hearing the one you quoted and those, he talks about two things. There's other people who are like, we need five things. We need this. And this is like, and so what I did was I took all those studies and I looked them out and I listed them out. And I was like, what are the common denominators here? And of that, I took and said, we're using different words for different things, but there's similarities with different studies. Like they're studying this and they're studying this, but they both have this at their core. And so what I found were three things 
um, that, that I think those two things fit into. Um, so what I found is that there's three requirements for all relationships and you need, you need them in any interaction and you're going to feel the closest to the people who you practice all three with on a regular basis. And so I can pretty much guarantee that there's no relationship we've ever built that wasn't, didn't have all three of these present. And conversely, any relationship in our life that's not feeling meaningful now, it's because at least one of these three things is lacking. And so the one you were talking about, he calls it intensity. Um, I would use the word consistency. And so in that consistency, we also have like proximity. Proximity often helps add to us being able to have that that regularity with each other that builds a friendship. Uh, some of that, that consistency is duration. And so the longer we have that pattern with somebody, we'll feel closer to that. Intensity is a part of it. Um, another part of it is making memories and sharing experiences together. And the more intense the experience, the more bonding. So all of that, I just put under consistent time. And so it's a broad category and it is absolutely a requirement of relationship because it's where we log the hours, if you will, to actually bond. And so there's studies that show that you feel closest, you, you call somebody a best friend when you've hit 200 hours with them. There's one study that says that. And so um, I think it's like one of those things where uh, anything that helps us put those hours together, intense experiences can do that. Um, being in school together. This is why workplace is the number one place we make friends as adults. It's not because we like these people better than anyone else we're meeting. It's because we are logging the hours with them mm -hmm. without having to schedule them, right? And so uh, the consistency, getting those hours logged, making those memories, building a folder in our head that says, uh, these are the things I do with this person. And this is like what, how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes virtual really hard right now is that virtual can help us do the communication, which we'll get to as one of the second requirements, yep. but it's not building intense memories. It's not making us be like, oh, that's our restaurant or, oh, we always go skiing or like, oh, this is what we do together. Right. Oh, so that's, our to, like, that's our Zoom that we share. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it can help us, but yeah, that what I would describe as a, Spending time together, consistent time mm -hmm. is a requirement of relationship. Yeah. The second requirement that I was just kind of mentioning is the talking to each other that falls under, I use the word vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So vulnerability is the one that helps us feel seen. Vulnerability is the one that we are revealing. It's authenticity. It's sharing the highs of our life. It's feeling like we can eventually talk without a filter. It's uh, it's being able to feel like we know each other. Mm -hmm. And so for a, a relationship to be meaningful, we have to have that second requirement. Um, and then the third requirement is positivity, positive emotion. Mm -hmm. uh, so therefore, we can be spending all the time in the world together, which is consistency, and we can be yeah. sharing with each other. But if we leave feeling like we're judging each other, that we are competing with each other, that we are, um, you know, somehow not being accepted or liked more, we're not going to want to keep repeating that experience and participating in that. And so what we're aiming for is a, a pleasant emotion. We want to mm -hmm. feel empathy. We want to feel joy. We want to have fun. We want to uh, laugh together. We want to feel more loved and appreciated. We want gratitude. We want all that stuff in that relationship. So when you combine these three things, uh, these are the three things that I would say are required of all relationships. And if you're lacking any one of them, the relationship's not going to feel good. Well, you've just done an amazing job at sort of answering my next question, which was scary. <laughs> uh, if somebody wants to nurture their relationships, um, what, are, what are the tricks of what they can do? So it's consistency. Um, mm -hmm. There's definitely one of them. Vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and positivity. Right. Yes. Did I get them right? Yes. Um, those are the three. Yeah, you did. Gold stars, gold stars. Yeah. Um, I need to practice those in my relationships for sure. Um, but the, so the, if you could work on those three things and sort of um, check in with yourself and maybe even check in with your friends um, and be open about it and say that, hey, you know, we've been spending a lot of time together, but we're sort of I'm feeling a bit of negativity here talk about that authentically might help until things become they go too far and then it's yeah. hard to have that conversation after a year right yes so. yes 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 i have a um i have a free assessment at shastanelson.com that maybe you can put in the show notes mm. um it's it's a great like it's a gives it gives everybody a 10 questions in each of those three areas to assess and give yourself a right. score of how you show up in your friendships. Mm. Because then what you can see is that all of us have one area that might not come as naturally to us, or we might not be as practiced at it. And so we can start kind of doing a better job of saying like, okay, so if I show up 
focusing more on building up the muscle of vulnerability that mm-hmm. will deepen my friendships. So what we can say is in any relationships, I always encourage people like write down the names of some of your friends, like who are those five people that you would like to be closer to or that you feel close to. Mm-hmm. And then even just do a personal assessment of which one of these three things would make the biggest difference in each of those three relationships or in each of those five relationships. So for example, um, one relationship you might look at and say, oh, every time I see him, it feels so good. And I just like love our interaction together. Um, and so you feel like you feel like you're connected and it feels good. So you've got vulnerability and positivity, but you're like, but I only see him once a year. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to increase the, the depth of that relationship, seeing him three times a year, twice a year, in, having phone calls in between, like there might be other ways, right? To like help mm-hmm. that relationship feel more supportive and, and present in your life. And so increasing the consistency would be what you want to aim for. Whereas for somebody else, it might be, we, we model men's friendships, uh, primarily with positivity and consistency. We have taught and given permission and encouraged men, at least here in the U.S. and most Western countries, to have a to go have a social group and to have fun together and to watch games and to do activities together and like be friends. But we haven't taught and encouraged and modeled and said it's okay to be vulnerable. And so we have a lot of relationships that are lacking meaningfulness. And we have a lot of men saying, I have friends but I don't really feel like I can talk to them. I don't feel like I can really share with them what I'm thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. We have a good time together, but I don't feel known. I don't feel like they know what's going on in my heart. So we, so in those relationships, we'd have to say, okay, so if you wanted that relationship to deepen, it's probably not spending just more time together, but it's what are you talking about and sharing during that time that you're that will make the biggest difference, right? So all of us can look at those relationships and to start seeing what we can possibly do in each relationship to increase one of those three things that would make a really, really big difference. Okay. So now let's talk about somebody who's, you know, either no friends or just one friend and they're thinking about, well, this is wonderful, Chester, but how do I go about (laughs) finding new friends? How do I go out making friends? I'm a bit shy. I feel uncomfortable with new people. What can I do? Yeah. It's such those people. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, it's one of the paradoxes of life that kind of breaks my heart is that the lonelier we are, the harder it is to build up the confidence and the energy to go and like get the need met, which is really, and you're not alone. I'll just say that if that's you, you're definitely not alone. This is a hard, and even relationship studies show that even the most outgoing, extroverted, healthy person still fears rejection and still is prone to think that like they're still walking into the same room asking, do I fit in here? Am I liked? Am I accepted? Yeah. So this is a human, a human uh, brain process that we go through because we're so wired to want to belong and to be safe and connected that we are constantly mm-hmm. devil checking that. So you just to know you're not alone in it. And I would say I teach these three things on a triangle. The foundation of the triangle is the positive emotion. And then on both sides up the triangle is the consistency and the vulnerability. All relationships start at the bottom of the triangle. Every single relationship, even if what you want are the relationships at the top of the triangle, which are your closest, bestest friends, they have to move up that triangle. And the only way they move up that triangle is by practicing these three things. I am really, really big on this. You cannot go find a best friend. You can Mm -hmm. find somebody who's a potential friend and you can practice these three things with them. But I could meet somebody today. We could promise to be best friends and it does not make us Mm -hmm. best friends until we're spending time together, getting to know each other and leaving each other feeling well, good. So Mm -hmm. what I will say is that when you're starting friendships, the bottom foundation is positive emotion. So at the very base, Mm -hmm. what we want to be doing is asking ourselves, what can I do to bring more joy to bring more happiness, how can I leave this other person feeling better for having been in my presence? And so at the beginning, that could be a smile, that could be remembering their name, it could be asking a question that shows we're curious and interested in them. But at the, at the end of the day, people want to feel good. Mm-hmm. And they will want to only interact with you and practice that consistency if their interaction with you left them feeling good. They might not even consciously be saying why they don't want to hang out with somebody or why they do want to hang out with someone else. But we are going to gravitate to the people who left us feeling good. And then as we practice some interaction, that consistency, as we're actually spending some time together, that's the only place vulnerability can start having showing up yeah. is that we have to interact in order to like share right. with each other. And then once we're vulnerable, it has to go back to positive emotion again, because if we share and then it doesn't feel like it's well received, we're not going to want to repeat that process. Mm-hmm. But we're only going to get close to people that we repeat this process with over and over and over and over with. So if you're making new friends, I would put less emphasis on trying to find the perfect people 
stop interviewing and filtering out and believing that you're looking for your twin and put more focus, put more focus on who am I meeting and how can I leave them feeling better for having interacted with me? And then your goal is like, how can I spend time with these people? So one of the best things you can do Uh, If you're shy, if you're an introvert, is find a way to join something that Mm -hmm. is consistent already so that you don't have to worry about doing the inviting and the reaching out and the scheduling of that because you have to see the same people on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. to ever build a friendship with them. So your only two choices for building consistency is either to be doing the inviting and the scheduling and the planning of all your relationships or else joining or attending or participating in something where you're going to see the same people over and over and over. And so if that initially inviting people, takes a lot of energy for you, join something and make a commitment to show up as frequently as you can so that you're starting to build some familiarity with people and then leave them feeling good. Them those, feeling two things, right. those two things will get you really, really far. I think that's beautiful. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I was then thinking, well, maybe also then if you're not doing this pre-filtering, um, you know, you're putting it out there, you're trying to be positive and to leave people with a good feeling, then maybe feel back, how do they make you feel? Um, because it's reciprocal, as you said at the beginning, right? If it's not a shared thing, if you're the one always giving and the other one's not giving back to you, that won't over time develop into a proper friendship either. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But what's powerful about positive emotions, the science shows us that we have to have five positive emotions for every negative emotion in a relationship for us to feel connected and close with each other. So what we know is that we can actually shape a lot of that relationship stuff. People have mere neurons. The kinder we are, the more we express that we accept them, the more they're going to do the same to us. We have a tremendous amount of power here. And I think when we feel insecure, the easier thing is to show up and be like, well, I'm not going to be warm until they're warm, mm-hmm. or I'm going to wait and see what they, how they interact, or I'm going to see if they accept me first, or I'm like, we're judging, we're like fearful. And so we're judging and that's never going to produce mm-hmm. people feeling closer to us. So the best thing we can do is say, for my sake and for the sake of others, I'm going to show up and I'm going to communicate acceptance. I'm going to communicate interest. And I'm going to just offer these things and trust that by offering them, the chances of it being given back to me go up exponentially. Um, we often wait and think that we need to see if this person is good enough for us or if this person is enough like us. And I will tell you this, the research around commonalities, we think we've been told that we need to have things in common. The commonalities don't predict our bond any more um, like We could both say we're the same religious affiliation or political affiliation, and it's no more of a predictor of how much we're going to bond than if we both dislike fast food or we both like broccoli. Like it's these things we think are important really aren't that important. The commonalities, why they're important is if they help us do these three things. So just having something in common isn't that helpful unless the fact that we both like tennis helps us go spend more time together or the fact that we both are part of that religious organization helps us talk about things that really matter to us. And so the commonality isn't as important as practicing these three things. And so what I have found is that most of us don't know where we don't, it's not that we don't know where to meet people. It's that we've been meeting people all along and we're not, we don't know how to turn them into friendships. Mm. We don't know how to go go from friendly to friendship. And these three things are what you need to do to like actually build that relationship. So that's really interesting because what I started thinking about was, okay, you know, I can see how this all plays out in an offline world. Um, And now I'm thinking, okay, so I'm in this online world where, you know, I've got 500, a thousand, whatever acquaintances on Facebook, but I still Mm -hmm. feel lonely. So, you know, especially for young people and and young girls, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a young daughter, um, how, what advice can you have for them? How can they turn some of these online acquaintances into friends? Is it the same three tools that they just apply in a different way? So you're going to make life easier, same things. (laughs) Yeah, we want these three things present no matter how we're interacting. And and it will look different whether we're extrovert or introvert, um, whether who are what our personalities are. At the end of the day, what I do, like a love language, how I might leave somebody feeling a positive emotion will look different than how you leave them feeling Mm -hmm. a positive emotion. This isn't about us having to be a positive, upbeat person. This is about us leaving people feeling better. Uh, And so we will all 
how we express these three things, how we do these three things will look in the end, whether we're virtual or in person on the phone, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, we have to have a pattern that we're spending time with each other. We have to enjoy and feel loved by each other. And we have to be sharing and feeling like they know what's going on in our lives. Mm. And so what I'm noticing in the virtual world is that the vulnerability piece has gone up. As you observed with the conference, yeah. we're seeing each other's backgrounds. We're seeing each other's kids walk by. We are talking about how hard it is. And we're mentioning about our parents. And so we're talking about things and being a little bit more vulnerable. And this is helping a lot of men's friendships. They can't get together and do things, but now they're, if, if they made the transition to Zoom, they're now forced to be talking more in yep. ways that they might not have had that pattern in their friendship before. Um, and the consistency piece is one of the hard ones because we Zoom fatigue is real. Mm. Um, we are, are harder, it's harder to like have the the spontaneity or just the showing up, the proximity to each other, we still now have to schedule it for it to happen, which we didn't have to do that before in some relationships. But I'll tell you the one that's dropping is that positive emotion. Mm. Um, it's really, I'm seeing that one just play out in every survey, every organization I'm doing when I survey the teams yeah. uh, and stuff like that, that positive emotion, we're not getting, we're not getting at the end of our day being like, oh, that felt so good today to be on all of those meetings and right. to be talking to everybody. Right. So that one's really hard. Yeah. But I think about your daughter in a social, you know, an online world. And this is a really good example of how um, most of us, it's not that we don't know enough people. It's that we don't feel known by a few. And I would always say to people, I love what that can do for our relationships, that breadth. But uh, the most important thing most of us can do is identify those three to six friends that we want to prioritize. And if we can prioritize those people, put it on a post-it note and say, these are the people who I'm going to be consistent with. These are the people I'm going to practice increasing my vulnerability with. These are the people that I'm going to add joy to their life by texting them and telling them I'm remembering them. These are the people that I'm going to take the time to have a little virtual happy hour if I need to. These are the people that I want to add fun to. I'm going to take the time to enjoy and do mm -hmm. that. And if we could kind of go more narrow, actually, I think I worry less about the big I mean, there's a lot we can do on social media that can be helpful, but it's only meaningful if we feel like we have that core group right. that knows us and mm -hmm. sees us. So really focus on that more than trying to have this amazing reputation on in a big way, because you'll right. just be, you'll be well known, but you'll be so lonely. And so let's talk about work because obviously, you know, in the old day, it was like, you know, work's there and life's over there and they're separate from each other. And so, you know, we don't need friends at work, but now, Tell us about your, your new book and what you found out about the importance of friendship in the workplace. Yeah, it was, it came about from two different directions. One is the research out there on workplace engagement is so, it just keeps hitting us over the head. Gallup for two decades has been saying that the employees who have a best friend at work are going to be seven times more engaged. That engagement translates to retention. It mm. translates to better customer service. It translates to fewer workplace accidents, to higher creativity, to better mm. productivity. I mean, it's so compelling. And it's kind of was, I was kind of hitting my head against the wall a couple of years ago where I was like, it keeps coming up as the biggest issue. And yet no workplaces are bringing friendship speakers in. Mm. Like no workplaces are talking about this. They're not highlighting this. And some really big studies recently, just the last year or two have come out saying that it's the number one issue for um, employee satisfaction. Mm. Like salary, the latest study I saw was I think the Journal of Leadership and Management and salary was listed number eight in what makes a difference in employee satisfaction. But coworker, the relationship with coworkers was number one. And I've seen multiple studies say this. So it's really, I think it was part of the motive to write this book was like, hello, you guys, the research is here and yet you're scared of it. And your brains go down on all these different paths mm -hmm. of like, oh dear, what will happen if we actually have friends in the workplace? And so I really wanted to write the book that helps speak to those fears and helped the workplace, helped our employers realize why they should be investing mm -hmm. in us being friends. But the other motive was seeing all the loneliness numbers out there and realizing and realizing that the number one issue that most of us have in our personal lives when it comes to building friendships is we don't feel like we have enough time. Mm. We don't feel like we can pull off that consistency piece. And so I was like, you know, the workplace is the place that's closest to what 
school was like when we were kids. Right. It is the one place where we are spending time interacting with the same people on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. If we could figure out how to make those interactions more meaningful and more fulfilling, then we could like help this loneliness epidemic in our personal lives, but we can also make our workplaces better. So this book was my attempt to kind of pull those two things pull together. together. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? That, that what's interesting when you talk about fear, so was it the leaders were sort of thinking this was because the data was so compelling. So, you know, what was their justification for ignoring the data? Um, yeah, but the number one thing I got was, well, then what about favoritism? Or what if we we start having bosses and managers who have to show favorites? Or what about clicks? And we just, mm -hmm. our brains immediately went to the drama. Like, right. we're going to have people people talking about their personal lives and like they hear the word vulnerability and just be like, Oh yeah, we don't want that here. Mm. And I was saying, no, actually you don't have problem solving without vulnerability. You don't have brainstorming and creativity mm. without vulnerability. You don't have conflict management without vulnerability. You don't have people, you don't have diversity and inclusion without vulnerability. Like you don't have a strong business without vulnerability. It's not that you want to keep out vulnerability. It's not even that you want to keep out friendships. It's that what you want to do is teach people how to do this healthy and have appropriate expectations. So my argument would be, um, you can have an organization that has no friends and that is not going to prevent you. It's not going to protect you from favoritism, gossip and drama. It's going to, in my opinion, increase those right. very things but what you'd be better off doing is actually saying now let's let's help foster these friendships mm. let's actually teach them how to be healthy friends let's talk about what healthy expectations are like let's actually lean into this rather than just keep avoiding it because the data is so compelling and you have more drama in the workplace because people don't know how to build healthy relationships and they're right. lonely and they're interacting out of that. So I think it's a big, big mistake to be pulling away from it out of fear. For well, sure. hopefully now a lot of more and more companies are recognizing this, correct? More and more leaders. I, yeah. And I think the pandemic, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, it's, um, it's highlighting for everybody. Wow. We have to be really strategic on how to keep people connected. Mm. Right. Um, so that's interesting to kind of be watching that happening. Um, but yeah, and it's also making it kind of harder in some ways because we aren't all just interacting in the same workplace anymore. We are a lot more on Zoom. Mm. Um, so yeah, we have to be kind of talking about this and being more intentional than ever. Yeah, you know, I was talking to um, a team leader the other week who said, you know, they've now had people on their team that they haven't met in person for two years. They've been there for two years now. And they've never met this person. So for them to have that personal water cooler type relationship is really hard mm. um so hard never had that cup of coffee with them and you know zoom cannot replace that um no, once no you know it a can't. person you can do you know you can do a lot but creating that that bond where you can be vulnerable um if you've never met your boss in two years it's hard for you to tell them that you're totally. having a hard time with your kids and that's infecting your concentration totally completely sure and just going into the care home and you, you really can't work overtime this week you know and yeah uh, without that yeah I was yeah I was saying earlier on a personal level our relationships have started on that positivity like we want to we are going to we're going to commit to spend time that consistency piece with the people that we enjoy and feel better around in our workplace relationships the consistency usually came first we are seeing the same people and interacting with them and then we end up bonding with those who we end up leaving us feeling good and we feel like we get to know. Mm. And so the consistency is there. And then it's, how do we, so you're not going to bond with everybody at your workplace. You're going to bond with the people who leave you feeling better and who you feel like you've gotten to know. But that consistency piece is what gave the foundation to that. And so now if we aren't, we might, we, what we're seeing are sometimes tighter teams. We're seeing people who are bonding in that way, but we're seeing people who aren't interacting with other people in their organizations now. And now if we want to interact with them, we feel like we're intruding in their time. We're asking for one more meeting mm -hmm. and we can't just like, we can't just see them walking down the hall and say That's hi. Right. So yeah, it's uh, we, we have not problem solved for this. No, yet. no. And it's like but, zoom camera yeah. on type thing, you know, it, it's an issue, but let's sort of wrap up by just reminding everybody of the three things, um, consistency, positivity, and we're going to go for number three, which is vulnerability. <laughs> well done. Well done. And if, in your personal relationships, start with positivity and in your work relationship, start with connectivity. Yeah, Correct. Being that, having that consistent time consistent together. Time together. Well, that is wonderful. Those are the three key takeaways from our chat today. Um, 
just tell me what's next for you. What are you up to now? I'm assuming you're not stopping. Um, so <laughs> no, nope. I am. I'm project that you're working on. Yeah, I'm trying to go do more with teams, helping them assess which of these three requirements uh, they need to be focusing on. Trying to go in and help facilitate bonding. So we used to call them offsites when we were all on site. I haven't heard the term yet for what it is. Oh, we now have to do on sites now, right? Turn I want to do on sites. Bring everybody <laughs> on for on sites. Yeah, go. so I would be—I would love to be one of those tools where companies who haven't met their boss and each other, when they mm. do come together, bringing in a professional facilitator to help build those relationships out and stuff like that. So that's what I'm trying to work on more now. Well, that's super important. And for anybody who's interested in this topic of friendship, do you have any sort of recommendations apart from your, yourself and your, and your website where they can obviously find out lots of information? Are there any books or um, thought leaders or things you could recommend to them that you enjoy yourself? For sure. Right now, what's so encouraging is there's a long list of books and podcasts and all kinds of stuff that are coming out on this subject uh, that, I, that I've been super impressed with. Um, one of my favorite books is Priya Parker. And um, her book is all about, uh, the name is escaping me at the moment, but her book is all about kind of how to make all the gatherings meaningful mm. and what we need to be able to actually do to, so when we are pulling people together at meetings and at conferences and at events, how do we actually do that in a way that's, uh, that's, that's better for all of us and more bonding and that kind of stuff. But there's so many great resources out there right now. So what I, I'd say for most of us, the number one thing we need to do though is yes, read the book and get inspired and learn the stuff. But then it's practicing and building new muscles and realizing mm. that it's going to feel awkward. It's the same thing as if you go to a gym, the physical exercise, like it's going to, you're going to sweat a little bit. Your muscles have to build up. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It means it's working. And yeah. so when it comes to our relational health, we're going to do things that are, we are going to have to stretch our muscles and, and push them a little bit more and build them up and lift the heavier weight. And, uh, and that doesn't mean it's bad. So even if it kind of makes your heart beat, even mm -hmm. if it's new, even if it's a little scary, I would say lean into it because there's no way to get to intimacy, intimacy, better connection, more friendships without feeling some of that awkwardness and fear. So we can right. do this. You need to do that. And one place they can go to do that is go to your website, sashtonelson.com, where they can take that test. And yes. that's a good place to start, right? And if they do want yes. to read your books, any good bookstore, um and they look for Shasta Nelson they find your three books there and just yes. to remember the latest one is the business of friendship making the most of our relationships where we spend most of our time and my final question to you today before I let you go is a simple one but an important one what brings you joy oh well I have to say my friends but <laughs> I, that's, that's actually it's actually easy to say I just went I just spent Saturday night uh with a couple girlfriends, we went to an old band concert that we used to listen to 20 years ago. We all went and sang our hearts out. So you've got you've got friendship there. You've got music. You've got making memories. You have an intense experience. You've got wow. dancing. You've got laughter. You've got acting silly. I love all of that. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, that was such a such a fun thing that just brought me incredible joy just the other night. Oh, that's amazing. Because really, this as you you mentioned, I think really early on in our chat when we talked about fun, that. Fun alone is one thing, but fun shared is it's more than doubled, right? It's it just exponential. So think about your fun, but think about sharing your fun. It's definitely mm. the way mm. to go. Mm. So thank mm. you so much, Esther, for taking the time today to chat with us. I know I feel inspired by what mm. you've Well, thank about. you. Yeah. This was fun. This was fun. So thank well, it's you. good. <laughs> it's good. No, it's definitely fun, but it was also inspiring and, and empowering, I think. And that's what we aim to do here is to you know, have some fun, but also inspire, but ultimately empower people to take your knowledge, to take your wisdom and apply it to their own lives. And I think you did a fantastic job today at helping people do that when it comes to having close friends. So thank you so much for doing thank that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing to put more, put more joy in the world. We all need it. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure to do that. And I'd like to thank obviously the listeners who are here today spending their time um, which is very precious to listen to us and we hopefully that they will come in and listen next week um, when we talk on the next episode of the art and science of joy podcast until then stay well stay joyful and grow your friendships